in our sacred text group a few weeks back, um, <clears throat> we got onto the conversation, I don't remember what the text was. As with our centering words, what we mean by sacred text is, well, everything, anything, anything that sparks an important conversation. And that's exactly what happens time after time. <clears throat> so I don't remember what the text was, but somehow it led to a, uh, an aside about cathedrals, the gorgeous, gorgeous Gothic cathedrals built to the glory of God by the Catholic Church and by so many artisans who colored glass and cut stone and raised buttresses and put all those pieces of glass into amazing rose windows. And you know, I mean, they did it over decades sometimes or longer. And all the people who just gave, gave every penny, every sou they could so that this glorious structure that they would never see completed would be, would be raised. The question came up in our group, why did they do it? What inspired them? What gave them so much inspiration, so much motivation to do something so difficult? And, um, well, it was possible that maybe they thought it was the only way they'd get to heaven. And these were people who believed in hell and um, surely feared to go there. So maybe that was true. Someone joked in the group, you know, we have this capital campaign starting and we can't threaten people with hell. <laughs> Makes it a lot harder to raise the money. It's true, so no fire and brimstone for me today. I just don't think you'd believe it. I wouldn't believe it. They also had that hope of heaven and no doubt we're doing a disservice to those amazing artisans and those people of faith the people of those little villages that built those amazing structures that are still here for us today, I'm sure their reasons were many. And that one of them was love. Their love of God, the love of their Savior Jesus, their love for each other. And the difficult paths they had to walk that could be eased by going into a place so beautiful, so full of everything humans knew about how to build beauty and build to last. In that way, they weren't any different than us. Us, I say, I'm thinking of our founders the people not so long ago, two, three generations ago, who created this congregation and then built it, built us this home. They knew they weren't building just for themselves, but for generations yet to come that they would not see, whose problems they could only imagine, but not fully describe. They knew we would need it. They knew we would need and appreciate a beautiful home. They did it for love of us, even though they didn't know us. 
and love, no doubt, of their forebears who had given them the gift of this faith as Kim's grandparents gave it to her. And they paid it forward to us. And so here we are kicking off this campaign at 75 years saying, you know, it's time to make some renovations. It's time to bring it up to date for ourselves and for a future that we will see and a future we will not see. For love of something we hold very holy. Kat and I um, usually engage in some theological reflection during our, during our weekly meeting time in addition to dealing with all the kind of business and exchange of information that we need to do as partners here. I told her last week, well, what I'm theologically reflecting on is, is our sacred space, our building. What am I feeling? What am I thinking? What do I want to voice to folks about why we do what we do? And I said, kind of wryly, I said, you know, every capital campaign wants a, wants a sexy centerpiece. Um, and we have that. We have the glorious new kitchen we're going to have. Yes. And we're going to have, be able to make real our dreams of being uh, a zero carbon space. Adding no, go ahead and cheer, no carbon. <laughs> No carbon to the atmosphere, to our overtaxed atmosphere. That, of course, doesn't look so sexy behind the scenes. It's a lot of wiring and electrical panels and whatnot, but oh my goodness. But I said to her, you know, it's things like panels and wiring and new storage and stuff like that. How do you get people excited about that? How do I get excited about it? I'm trying to look into my heart to see what, it, what that is all about, and I'll share that with you, but I love something Kat shared before we were done. As you know, she spoke a few weeks ago uh, about it. She tr has traveled uh, a, lot, a great deal in Japan, feels that the Shinto tradition speaks to her very deeply. And she said, the big Shinto shrine at Ise, uh, one of the most important shrines in Japan and the most, one of the most important shrines in that tradition, she says, it is taken down, dismantled completely, and rebuilt every 20 years. I looked it up to see how old the Issei Shrine is. This is ISE, oh, uh, magical captioner. Um, <laughs> I, I really can't deal with that. They have been doing this every 20 years for 14 centuries. How do you get excited about that kind of renovation? Don't you ever look around and say, geez, it's only been here for 20 years. We, you know, do we really have to do this? Take it all down, put it all up again? Kat said, well, they're very attuned to aesthetics, an aesthetic that we love and that we see reflected to some extent in Joseph Eshrick's work here. And very aware of the need to make it holy, to make it holy. 
What does that? Without projecting my own theology onto people of the Middle Ages in Europe, in the heart of Roman Catholicism, or onto the people of Japan for whom Shinto is their essential faith, I want to propose that a common thread that runs through all these traditions is humanism, maybe a humanism with a small h, not humanism as in the American Humanist Association, and that is so important in our tradition, but a humanism that says, you know, we human beings, we're the ones who are going to make it happen. If there's going to be a cathedral built here to the glory of God, it's going to happen because of our hands, our hearts, whatever we can afford, whatever we can make, whatever we can bring. And the gift of that space will be a gift to humanity, from humanity to humanity, because we need it. We need these spaces. When our faith is weak, when our grief is heavy, when we're afraid, when we need to celebrate, we need beauty and might and the majesty not only of God, whatever God we believe in, but of humanity. Because I'm sure it's not only diehard humanists like myself who go into a place like Chartres Cathedral and say, people like me, members of my own species made this. They must have known that they were making it also to the glory of humanity. And the people who take down and rebuild with such love and attention the shrine at Issei every 20 years, more than once a generation. They are paying attention to the spirits of nature and the beautiful hills and trees and winds and waters around them where they find the sacred. But they too are acting out of an essential humanism, the need to make something human-sized for us human beings who make our way as little, little beings in this great world of mighty forces. I thank the people who built this, our people not long ago. They were very aware of building for humanity. As Kenneth Patton says, he's one of my, he's one of my mentors, a minister before my time I never, I never met. Because of the way he recognized that we're restoring ancestral dreams enshrined in floor and wall and beam. We're doing that so literally right now, kicking off today. Kicking off, I should announce, if you weren't here last night, with $1.6 million already pledged at the beginning of our $2.8 million campaign. Woohoo! We we're well over halfway there. But we were already well over halfway there when we first dreamed this up because our ancestor built this space for us. 
for humanity, for the things human beings would need. And they built with such attention. Well, you know, when Kim walked in here, when so many people come in here for the first time, and they sigh, and they find how beautiful it is. It's made for human beings, this space. It takes in a world so far beyond us, so much more complex than, <coughs> than we have yet been able to understand, and reminds us that we're a part of something greater. And it lifts up a ceiling far higher than we can reach. But it's all human scaled. Don't you feel it? You imagine that your spirit can expand to fill this space. That this space in its, its shape, like a house, invites that. Invites us to fill it right up with our expanding selves. Our deepening wisdom. Our intensifying love and compassion. This is a space that was built to the glory of the human spirit and for the needs of human beings. As I said, the people who built these buildings in the 50s, they didn't know all the challenges we would be dealing with. There wasn't any such thing as AIDS. They hadn't heard of a bunch of diseases, including one called COVID and other pandemics that will surely come along to us. They didn't imagine, although they had plenty of worries about the future of the planet, most of them did not imagine that we would be making the climate of our planet incompatible with human life. And that that was a challenge that we would have to take on as a congregation. But they built it with plenty of room for all of those needs, for all of our dreams. They didn't know just how difficult it would become to find housing in their beautiful valley, which at the time was quite an affordable place for a young couple to buy a home. They couldn't have known that we would need to shelter people 10 weeks a year in this hall, out in our parking lot, that our kitchen would be used to serve the community in that way by bringing meals to people who lived on the streets most, most of the day. And yet with vision and love, they created what we would need. Well, I'm really glad we don't have to dismantle it and start over from scratch. But, you know, we have to do kind of a piece of that in all the renovations we do. As I said, some sexy, nice to talk to you about the kitchen and the greening of our space and our facility but in other ways that just 
reflect the things that you do when you live in a space as a human being. You know, my grandmother, both of my grandmothers, they put a lot of plastic over their furniture and on the most well-traveled rugs in the living room, spaces in the living room. There are little pads you were supposed to walk on the plastic because heaven forbid you should actually use the space and get it worn or dirty. I don't know what they were saving that best couch for, but it wasn't their grandchildren because <laughs> they didn't take the plastic off when we came over. I love that we have lived in this space. It's gotten a little warm. We took the plastic off, and we said, you know what? We're going to hang things from these beams. Oh, once in a while, we need to put a nail in for the garlands to hang from. And we're going to move the furniture around this. Again, created, they created this space so that we could move the furniture for different means. Oh, we scratched up the floor and nicked the beams a little bit. You know? And that kitchen, oh, has it been loved? And just like a greatly loved stuffed animal or your favorite chair, it's worn. It's worn by love and care and good use in the cause of human need. And so we're going to make it sparkling and new and up to the minute so that it will serve well for 75 more years and beyond. I do think sometimes we buy in a little bit to the anti-humanism of our earlier days. I do think sometimes we think, oh, you could build a cathedral to the glory of God, not just because you're, you know, afraid of hell or you want to go to heaven, but because you believe that the creator of all needs you to do that. And our forebears turned their back on that idea. They said, you know what? Human beings, we're enough. A planet that we live in and are stewards of, that's good enough. We don't need to dream of a world to come. This earth is all the heaven we need. They turned their backs on that. But I think sometimes, you know, as you carry your family baggage, sometimes deep in our in our being is that long-held human belief that humans aren't quite worth it and that the earth is really just an empty shell that's going to be followed by something better. With this, the building of this building, our congregation, our 1940s and 50s congregation, and with the renovation of this building, we, right now, and with the care that we give every year by pledging to our annual campaign that we are also doing now to support the work just for the next year to keep everything going as we dream of it. All of that, that is all done out of a conviction that the earth is the greatest heaven we can imagine. And that our lives and the lives of human beings everywhere, of all beings everywhere, of people we have yet to see and yet to imagine, who can't, we can't even imagine because they're so far in the future. 
we have the conviction that they are as sacred as anything could be. They're worth a rose window. They're worth the toil of our hands. They're worth all those committee meetings. They're worth our money and our time and our love. Our ancestors built places like this, and then they built this place for us because they held the human spirit sacred. And they said, we need a home for that. For all the things human beings need and do and build and grow. Now, something else that's a symbol, as I tell the kids, of our building, of this campaign, that's why I'm wearing our little redwood cone here, is redwood seeds. And I want to tell you something about redwood seeds. As I said a couple weeks ago, it, it's not the favorite way for redwoods to grow. They don't mostly, they, they spread seeds, of course, but they love to grow uh, saplings from their roots. The seeds, about 1 in 12 of them will germinate. So we need to do this together. We're going to have a whole redwood plantation here. And if we tend it with love, then we'll get a few redwood seeds actually germinating here. That's enough. What we do together is big enough for needs that are so deep we feel hopeless sometimes and for celebrating joys that we, we can't even give voice to. Together we can do it. So when we, uh, before you leave here today, please do come on up and do just as the kids did. I'll have the plate of seeds and a little toothpick to stick in so we know that little, that little seed home has a seed already. And over the next months, we will see what we can grow. We will find out what we can build. But I already know. Because I feel it right here every time we gather. Oh, and if